Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate that this morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. Glad that you are here today. I am excited to announce that our team that was in Guatemala this past week, they made it home safely. So they, they got back. And as you can see from some of the pictures, you'll see some of the stuff that, that they were able to do this past week. They were able to build two homes for families in need. And they were able to not just uh, talk about the love of Jesus, but they were able to demonstrate the love of Jesus to many, many children who desperately need to see that. So they've had a great week, and I can't wait to hear some of the stories that they're going to be sharing with us. We'll actually have a chance to do that in a few more weeks, actually, after our next team gets back from Guatemala. We've got a team that's going down the first week of August, and when that team gets back, we're going to have a Sunday where we're going to hear from both teams and hear what God is doing in our partner church down in Antigua, Iglesia del Camino, and then we're going to also hear what God is doing in the lives of the people that have been on our trip. So if you see somebody that you know who's on one of those on that trip, please welcome them back and be in prayer for them. It's often difficult to go on a, a, a week uh, away and spend your time focusing on pouring your life out to people. That's not so much the difficult part. They've been preparing and planning for that for months. The more difficult part is coming home. You come home and to get back into normal patterns and routines of life after you've just poured your heart out all week long is often difficult. So just be in prayer for this team that as they're coming back and be in prayer for our other team as they're getting ready to go. Now, last week, we started a new series on Romans. And Romans is a letter in the New Testament part of the Bible. That's the part of the Bible written after the life of Jesus. So it's a letter written in the New Testament part of the Bible, and it contains the core doctrines of the Christian faith. So if you are here this morning and would say, you know what, I don't consider myself a Christ follower, maybe I'm checking it out. If you would say you're in that spot, then I say you're here at a great time. I think this series would be a great series for you. This series will help you understand what it means to be in a relationship with a loving God. It'll help you understand what it means to live your life as a Christ follower and what the core doctrines of the Christian faith are all about. So we're glad that you're here if you're in that context. Now, if you missed our message last week, I really encourage you to listen to that. You can listen to any of our messages on our website at theepicchurch.com. You can also listen to them through our iTunes account. So either way, that, that works for you. But there's some great information that helps set up what we're doing in the rest of this series. So I encourage you to check that out. Now, as a way of quick review, last week we learned that a guy named Paul was the author of this letter to the Romans. And we learned a little bit about Paul's life. We learned that Paul used to go by the name of Saul, and Saul was a prominent religious leader of the day. And a part of the group that he was a part of, they actually hated Jesus, and they hated anyone who would follow Jesus. So just get the reality of this. Religious leaders would do anything to stop this Jesus movement, even have people beaten, put in jail, and murdered. That's a sad reality when you think about that. A religious person who's supposed to be leading people towards a relationship with God would get to a place where they would say, you know, I'll do anything to stop this Jesus movement. They were threatened by Jesus. 
in his message of love and hope in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So Paul was a front runner for that organization. He was one of those guys in, in, in that religious um, organization that wanted to stop anything that was going on with Jesus. So Paul is going to a city, and he's going with the specific purpose to arrest Christians, and on his way to that city, he meets the resurrected Jesus. So after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Paul meets Jesus on this road, and his life is radically changed in in a moment, and he becomes a follower of Jesus. Now, it's a big deal. He goes from a group that hates Jesus and wants to, to... kill Jesus and anybody who's following him, and now he's going to join this Jesus movement. So he knows that if he follows Jesus, this group is going to turn against him, and most likely he'll be arrested, and most likely he will die for his faith. But that does not keep Paul from living boldly as a Christ follower. So from that moment that he gave his heart to Christ, he became a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ for the rest of his days. And yes, he was arrested for his faith. And yes, he was put to death for his faith. But that did not keep him from being a bold follower of Jesus. Now, after his conversion, Paul is credited with starting many New Testament churches, So he would go around and start churches in different areas, telling them how to live in a real relationship with the God of the universe. But this church in Rome was not one of the churches that Paul had helped start. Somehow, the life-changing message of a relationship with Jesus Christ had made it to Rome, and a church had started. This was a church that was being talked about around the world. So Paul says in chapter one, he says, listen, people are talking about your faith all around the world. If you think about what it was like in Roman history at certain spots in that history, there were moments that it was not a cool thing to be a Christian in Rome. You might get fed to a lion. You might get, you were the entertainment for the night in a Colosseum. And so Paul says, listen, people are talking about your faith all around the world. So he's excited about this church. He's excited about their bold faith. And he writes them this letter to introduce himself and to help them understand the core doctrines of the Christian faith. You see, for those new Roman Christians, they did not have the benefit of the other New Testament writings that were circulating the world at that time. So this was probably the very first piece of New Testament Christian literature they had ever read. And so I think that's why Paul was very specific about the core teachings of the Christian faith. He didn't want them to be confused about that. Now, in chapter one, we saw Paul's introduction, and we also saw the core verses to this entire book, and I think could be the core verses of the entire Bible. Verses 16 17 say, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, this letter to the Romans is about God's good news. It's something that many Bible translations call the gospel. So if you see in a Bible that you're reading, if you see the words the gospel, that simply means God's good news. Now today, 
Paul has some bad news to tell us. And I have to warn you, it's some really bad news. It's such bad news that there are people that refuse to become Christ followers because of this news. There are people that say, you know, I just can't believe in that. That's such bad news. But then Paul's going to follow that up with some, not just good news, but some amazing news, life-changing news. Now, if you have to tell somebody good news and bad news, what do you share with them first? Just curious. Bad news. Okay, yeah. So bad news first, and you follow it up with good news. Hopefully the good news will taper the bad news a little bit. So we're going to start today with the bad news, and we're going to follow that up with the good news. So Romans chapter 3, verse 23 is where we're going to start. It's found on page 859 in our paperback Bibles. So if you would like a Bible to follow along, feel free to grab one of those. We are going to jump around in chapter 3, and then we're going to jump over into chapter 6 for a moment. So here's the bad news. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, when Paul says everyone, in that moment he's writing, he's talking about, hey, like everyone has sinned. So he's looking in the past. He's looking in the future. He's talking about, guess what? Us. We're included in that everyone has sinned. Now, this sin thing, if if we polled everybody here and asked, what's your definition of sin, we'd get all kinds of different answers to that. But I'm going to work today on this simple um, definition. Sin is anything that we do or don't do that hurts our relationship with God. So anything that we do or anything that we don't do that hurts our relationship with God. So sin can be big like murder. Sin can be small like a little white lie. Sin can be something that we do. Sin can be something that we don't do. The Bible says if you know to do right and you don't do it, that's considered sin. And then Jesus came along and he challenged what everybody thought sin meant. In in those days and still our days, often we think of sin as an outward thing, something that we do. And Jesus comes along and says, listen, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit murder. Bad thing. But I say, if you're angry in your heart towards someone else, you are guilty of God's judgment. You've heard it say, you've heard it said that you should not commit adultery. Jesus said, but I say, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, it's as if you've already committed adultery with her. So Jesus took this whole sin thing from an outward thing that we were talking about to an inward thing. He said, listen, it's an inward state of your heart. That stuff comes from within who you are. So based upon Jesus' definition, none of us can say that we are exempt from sin. Nobody can say, you know what? I've never sinned. I've never done anything really bad. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Now, we like to put sin into categories. You know, we like to say, you know, this sin is worse than this sin or this sin isn't as bad as that sin. And often I think that we find ourselves doing that when we're comparing ourselves to someone else. And I think somehow it feels a little bit good to us to say, you know what? I might, may not be living the life that I need to live, but at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. 
You know, you, you could probably pick those people out in your life. You know, at least, you know, God, I know I'm not doing what I need to do, but have you looked over here at so-and-so's life? Like, they're really messing up. So it helps us a little bit. We feel a little bit better when we can point somebody else out. But here's the problem. All sin separates us from God. Big sins and little sins separate us from a holy God. In God's economy, sin is sin. There's no distinction. Now, there are different degrees of sin. There are different consequences for sin. So someone who murders, that carries a certain amount of consequence to that. That's different than being angry at someone. Uh, Having an affair with someone is different than having lust in your heart towards someone. So there are different degrees of sin. There are different consequences to sin. But the reality is all sin, big sins and small sins, separate us from a holy God. Now, think about it this way for a moment. Do we have any brownie lovers here today? I mean, like, you know, the food brownie, not like the Girl Scout thing, but like brown. All right, so we got a few brownie lovers here. Great. I've got a gift for you. All right, so these are some brownies. My wife is a, a great baker of brownies. I love her brownies. They're amazing. They go great with a glass of milk and a pillow. They're amazing. I did not bring the glass of milk or the pillow because I did not want you sleeping in the service. If someone is asleep next to you, wake them up and tell them there's brownies. They might get one, okay? Here's the only thing about these awesome brownies is they have a little bit of dog poop in them. Just a little bit. It's just a little bit. I mean, it's not a whole lot. My wife just put a little bit of dog poop in there, and I doubt that you can smell it. I really doubt that you could taste it. There's so much brownie goodness in them, I just really don't even think that you could taste it if you bit into one. So, got some brownies. Would anybody like a brownie? There's a few that would. So awesome. I'm going to leave them up here on Father's Day. Here's some dog poop brownies for you. You can have them after the service. Now, stay with me for a second. I, you, know, you probably never thought on Father's Day you're going to go see dog poop in church. You should never miss church. You just never know what's going to happen. So here we go. So our sin, like dog poop in brownies, contaminates all of who we are. It contaminates all of us. So again, sin is sin. Sin separates us from a holy God. We can't say, oh, it's just a little bit of sin. A little bit of dog poop in the brownies like makes the the brownies bad. (laughs) A little bit of sin in our lives like says, not good. You've broken your relationship with God. So a central part of what it means to be in a relationship with God is our deep realization that we are sinners in need of a savior. That's a core part of what it means to be in a relationship with God, where we say, I am a sinner and I need a savior. Whether our sins are big or small, we need a savior. See, we were designed by God to be in a right relationship with him, but we broke that relationship with our sin. Now, if you've been reading through Romans with us, there's a phrase that is repeated several times throughout the chapters of Romans, and that phrase is the law. So here's what God said in the Old Testament. He said, listen, 
You've broken our relationship, but here's a way for you to get back into a right relationship with me. All you have to do is be perfect. That's it. It's easy, simple. So he came up with the law. The Ten Commandments are a part of the law. And we think, hey, there's Ten Commandments. We're supposed to follow those. There were many rules and regulations that made up the law, many. God said, listen, you want to have a right relationship with me? Great. All you got to do is be perfect. You pull that off, we can go have lunch. But here's a part of it. If you break one of the rules, it's as if you've broken all the rules. So you can't just say, hey, I've done you know, 99, but I just broke one. God goes, no, you break one. You've broken all of them. So here's where we get more bad news. No one could live up to the standards of the law. No one. No one could be perfect. That's why Paul said in, in verse 23, everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard. Now here's where this bad news gets worse. And jump over to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. So we're going from Romans 3.23 to Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So the penalty for sinning, whether big or small, is death. The penalty for not living up to God's standards is death. And so none of us could do it. And thus, we all deserve to die. Now, here's where many people check out on Christianity. Here's where many people say, you know what? I just have a really hard time believing that. Many people think, you know, I can, I can admit that, that may, maybe I've made some mistakes. Okay, I can admit that I've sinned before. I mean, I'm not perfect. I mean, I've sinned. I mean, I get that. But I cannot imagine a loving God sentencing people to death. Like, I just can't imagine that. It doesn't sound like something a loving God would do. So either this God doesn't really exist and all this religion is just a bunch of garbage made up to keep people in line, or God's an angry God, and I don't want to follow an angry God. Now, if you've had thoughts like that before, I encourage you to hang in there with me. Don't, don't stop. Sometimes we hear the bad news and we check out on the good news. So we, we get stuck in a place. But there is good news that's coming. So stay with me for a moment. So according to God's standard, each one of us, we have sinned, we have broken God's laws, we've been found guilty, and we deserve to die. That's the really bad news. We are guilty sinners before a holy God, and we deserve death. Now, watch what God does with the sin problem that we created. God said in the Old Testament, all right, you deserve to die, but here's what I'm going to do. Since you can't live up to the standards of the law, I'll allow an innocent animal to die in your place. So God came up with this system where Jews would bring an innocent lamb, a perfect lamb, couldn't be a sick lamb, couldn't have broken bones, had to be a really healthy lamb. And God said, listen, you bring that lamb to a priest, and that priest will confess your sins onto that lamb. So it, you know, it's kind of like you would hear the sins of the people, and the priest would lay his hands on top of that lamb and confess those sins, like here are the sins of these people. And there was this transfer of sin from this guilty person to this innocent lamb. And then the priest would kill that lamb. 
And God said, I'll accept that as payment. That innocent lamb will die for your guilty sins. This became known as substitutionary atonement. It's a big phrase. It simply means God allowed a substitute to die in our place. So the practice of sacrificing innocent animals on behalf of guilty humans went on for thousands of years. And then Jesus came along. Jesus lived a perfect life, something none of us could do. He lived up to all the standards of the law, something none of us could do. And he is known in the Bible as the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. Listen to verse 24. Romans chapter three. This is where Old Testament good news becomes the New Testament gospel. Yet God. So we had created this problem. We had created a problem of sin we couldn't fix, and so God steps in to fix it. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. So how in the world can a righteous holy God declare that sinful people can be made right. How did he do that? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Now, this next statement is the mind bender. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. So God came up with this substitutionary atonement system where humans, guilty humans, could sacrifice an innocent animal as payment for our sins. God came up with that system, and he held himself to that same requirement, yet he took it a step further. He offered his innocent son as the sacrifice for all the sins of guilty humanity. And we give God some flack for coming up with this death sentence thing. I mean, we we take out a lot of stuff on him for that. Little realizing that God didn't hold us to that standard. He held himself to that standard. That's something that he imposed upon himself. God set up a system that would cost him everything and would cost us nothing. Before the world was ever created, God had decided this would be the system. God knew we would turn against him. God knew how to fix it. He came up with that before the world was ever started. Jesus became the innocent lamb that took our guilty place. That's what makes the good news so good. That's what makes the gospel the gospel. God offered his son, his innocent son, in our guilty place. And Jesus willingly died for us so that we can live. He couldn't stand the thought of eternity without us. And so God said, listen, I'll do whatever it takes to get these people back in a right relationship with me, to make it possible for them to come back into a right relationship with me. And when Jesus died on the cross, one of the last things that he said was, it is finished. So the Old Testament sacrifice of animals was finished. Our need to live up to the standards of the law was finished. Our broken relationship with God was finished. Verse 25 says, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So we are made right with God when we believe. 
It doesn't happen when we try to become good people. It doesn't happen when we try to live up to the standards of the law. It doesn't happen when we show God our attendance, you know, report from church. Look, I was at church, you know, like six months in a row. It doesn't happen there. Verse 20 says, no one, and get this, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. No one. We can't be made right with God by doing good things. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So we can't earn a relationship with God. It's one of the core elements of the gospel. It can't be earned. It can only be received. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept so cold, it's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond, creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints as if the system ain't working and used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer, an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection, but silly us. Trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe, but all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection, good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank, but you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list, cause even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says as part A of the gospel. 
You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness his death functions as payment yes payment wrote a check with his life but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared pierced feet pierced hands blood-stained son of man fullness forgiveness free passage into the promised land that same breath that god breathed into us god gave up to redeem us and anyone and everyone, and by everyone, I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. Yeah, that's worth celebrating. You know, this past week in preparation for this message, I have been wrecked again by the gospel. It's easy for Christ followers, if you've walked with, in a relationship with God for a number of years, it's easy to drift from the true meaning of the gospel. It's easy to get callous to it at times. It's easy to find yourself not thinking about it as much, looking in other places for other things. And yet, the more we look at the gospel, the more we understand what God has done for us, the more we should be deeply moved by it. The gospel is not something that you graduate from. It's not something that, hey, I've, I'm a new, I've become a new believer, I've grown out of that into a new phase, and so I'm on to new things. All of Christianity circles around the gospel that God, with undeserved kindness, offers us life. And Jesus died so we can have it. That's the gospel. So if you are a Christ follower, are you still in awe of the gospel? Or has it gotten kind of outdated for you? I hope that we never get tired of hearing about the good news that can save us. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And I'd like to just remind you of what Romans verse 22 says. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you can be made right with God by putting your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you've never done that before, I'd like to guide you through a prayer that can make that possible for you. There are little slips of paper, little green paper around in your seat. I encourage you to grab one of those and share one if you need to. 
But I encourage everybody to grab that. And if you would say, you know what, I'm in that spot where I have not put my faith and trust in Jesus. And if you would like to do that today, I'm going to guide you through this prayer. And it's something I say on a regular basis. There's nothing magical about the words that we're going to pray. This isn't some magic potion here. This is a conversation, an honest conversation between someone who says to a holy God, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I need you. I need you, Jesus. So it's as simple as admitting that you're a sinner in need of a savior. It's as simple as believing that Jesus died so you can live. And it's as simple as committing your life to following him. So if you would like to pray this prayer this morning, I'm just gonna guide us through this together. So if you would, let's all pray this. And I'm, actually, I'm gonna pray this out loud. And I encourage you, if you wanna pray this in your heart to God, you can just pray this quietly in your heart to God. What's important is the condition of your heart. So here we go. God, today, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that Jesus died so I can live and I commit to following you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayed that prayer this morning, I want to say to you, welcome to the family of God. Your life will never be the same. Your eternity will forever be different. So welcome to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to do several things. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you, number one, to sign up for our next baptism. One of the things that Jesus did while he was here on this earth, he was baptized, and he asked us to follow him in that. So if you are a believer in Jesus, if you've done that this morning, you've done that another part, uh, a time in your life, and you've never been baptized, I encourage you to sign up to be baptized. And when we're baptized, very symbolic. So when we're, we go underwater, it's symbolizing our death to our old lives and being risen to a new relationship with Jesus Christ. So we have a baptism on July the 28th at Flagler Beach, a great environment for doing that. And so I encourage you to go onto our website at theepicchurch.com and you can sign up for a baptism there. Now, while you're there on our website, I encourage you to go to our resources tab. There is some great information there that can help you grow in your relationship with God. There's some great articles, can help you understand the Bible a little bit better, can answer some questions maybe that you have. And if you've prayed that prayer this morning, the first article I encourage you to read is one called What's Next? So I've given my heart to Jesus, what's next? That article has some great resources to help you get some traction in your relationship with God. Now, the last thing that I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to actually turn in this card. Here's what's going to happen to this card. Uh, We've got giving boxes at the back of each seating section. I encourage you, if you prayed that prayer this morning, just slide this card in that box. You can put your name on it if you want to. You don't have to put your name on it if you don't. But what's going to happen is these cards are going to get to our elder team. And our elders are going to pray for you specifically. If your name's on it, we'll pray for you by name. If your name's not on it, we'll pray for whoever was holding on to this card as they prayed that prayer. 
If there's a prayer request that you have and you would like us to pray for that, just flip it over and write that out, slide that in that box, and we would love to be praying for you on your new relationship with God. Now, next week, we are going to look at Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. And there is this huge tension between two things in these two chapters. And um, uh, Romans chapter 8, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. So I encourage you to spend some time this week reading Romans chapter 7, reading Romans chapter 8. Read it every day in preparation for next week, and you'll, you'll be prepared for next week. Who knows? Maybe invite you up on stage and let you give the talk. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? All right, I'm going to pray, and then our worship team is going to come out, and they're going to guide us through this song called Amazing Grace. And if you don't know the backstory to this song, I really encourage you to spend some time researching it. Look up a guy by the name of John Newton and look up his story. Amazing story. And he wrote this song, Amazing Grace. And I encourage you this morning to sing this song as a thank you to God for the gospel. A moment for us to be in awe again of God's amazingly good news for us. Sinners in need of a savior. So let's pray together. God, today we've looked at the core message of the Bible, the gospel, the good news that you make available to all of us. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter what we've done, you make it available to us. And all in the Old Testament, you prove that we cannot live up to your standards, and so you did it for us. You paid the penalty for us. You offered Jesus so we can have life. Innocent Jesus died in our guilty place. God, you came up with a system this substitutionary atonement system that costs you everything. And it costs us nothing. The good news that you are gracious, that you are loving, that you couldn't stand the thought of eternity without us, and so you did whatever was required to make it possible for us to come back into a relationship with you. So Lord, this morning, for those who maybe have put their faith and trust in you for the first time in their lives, I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that they would grow strong in that relationship. And Lord, for all of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, may we always be in awe of the gospel. May it always break our hearts. May we always be deeply moved to tell everyone everywhere about this good news that can set them free, this good news that can change their eternity. Lord, help us to go into the world that we are in, to talk to the people that you've placed around us, to tell them about that amazing news. God, thank you for your amazing grace for us. In Jesus' name, amen. That was hilarious. That last part, I think, was the absolute best. Well, good morning, and welcome to Epic and Dads. 
Happy Father's Day. We hope you have a great day celebrating. Maybe this will be a little bit of your dream day, whether that's taking a nap or going fishing or watching the U.S. Open or whatever it may be. But we hope you have a great day because you deserve it. I think dads, probably more than anyone in our life, help shape how we see ourselves and how we see the world. So dads, thank you so much for your impact on our lives. And this morning, we just want to celebrate our dads. We want to celebrate our dads, our stepdads, our grandfathers. So if you are a dad, a stepdad, a grandfather, would you stand and let's applaud, let's give it up for our dads this morning. Thank you for your investment in our lives, and we hope you have a wonderful Father's Day today. I have several announcements for us this morning. First of all, on Friday, June 21st, Lifeline Ministries here in Palm Coast, in Palm Coast is going to be having a night of worship. It's going to be uh, churches, uh, bands from five different churches um, here in the area, and it's going to be an incredible night to worship together with other Christ followers in the community. It's going to be at Matanzas High School at 5.30, and it will be $5 at the door, and the proceeds will go to benefit Lifeline. So mark it on your calendar, and if you want more information, you can pick up a flyer at the Connection Center on your way out. Also, on the 4th of July, Surge, our student ministry, is going to be participating in the 4th of July parade at Flagler Beach. So we would love to be that float that has tons of cane to give out all the way to the end, and we need your help in order to do so. We're going to be collecting um, bags of non-chocolate candy today and for the next couple of weeks. So if you could drop those off, there's a table over here by the coffee table. We would really appreciate your help with that. One thing I love about Epic, whether it's giving bags of candy for a float or serving through Habitat or serving in our time giving of our time in different ways, is Epic is so, so generous. And you guys give to support every week what God is doing here through Epic, and we appreciate that very much. If you want to give, you can give in a couple ways, and that is through the giving boxes at the back of each row and online at theepicchurch.com. But if you're new with us this morning, we are just glad that you are here. We hope you enjoy this service, and this service is our gift to you this morning. We would love to give you a small packet of information about Epic as well. If you would swing by the Connection Center after the service, there would be someone there to answer any questions you may have and give you that information as well. Well, this morning we are continuing in our series on Romans. So before Trent comes and shares the message with us this morning, let's pray and prepare our hearts to hear the message this morning. God, thanks that we can gather together today and celebrate our dads and um, celebrate you being our gracious father. And God, I ask that you would um, just prepare our hearts, Lord, for the message this morning. We come in with probably many of us having busy weeks or hard weeks or hectic weeks or maybe even having a great week, Lord. But we just want to come this morning and open our hearts, open our hands, our minds to what you want to say to us this morning, Lord. So we ask that you would speak to us and help us to receive that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> 